for you so far? Amen. Amen. Well, without further ado or delay, we are going to have uh, Dr. Kristen Keller come up and speak to us. How many of y'all are excited to hear what she has to speak into our spirits tonight? Amen. Thank you so much. Good morning, everyone. Stand up real quick. Get a good stretch in this morning. How many of you, um, while looking at this view, have just, spirit, lead me where my, you just start singing oceans, like, can't help it. Turn to your neighbor and say, today's an awesome day, and we're going to learn about fire. You have to say it just like that. We're going to learn about fire. All right, you can be seated. I want to say very quickly thank you to Brother and Sister Maddox, Brother and Sister Roberts, your hyphen director, Brother Walton, my former boss, Brother Johnson. That was the most amazing session. I told him every hyphen on the planet needs to hear that session, and I'm going to figure out how we can make that happen, and his amazing wife and family, and then, of course, to Brother Thomas, who did outstanding last night, um, and his amazing wife and family. Can we just thank God for amazing leaders that we have in our lives as hyphens? that can speak the truth to us in love. I was thinking in the end of that uh, service last night how powerful of a message that was about growing through your prison. And I had a moment where I uh, took time to dethrone some things that had taken thrown in the prison of my life and, and the, the times that I go through personal pain and uh, just told God, God, you're king over my pain and you reign sovereign in my pain. Fear does not rule this prison. Doubt does not rule this prison. Uh, of seasons in my life when I go through prison, you, prisons, you're sovereign and you're king of that experience. So uh, I'm thankful for what God did in all of our lives last night. I know it was incredible. Um, so I want to tell you uh, this story to kind of give a little bit of context, uh, and maybe we can laugh a little bit here uh, before we dive into this session. So about four years ago, I'm a pastor's kid, and um, it, those that are PKs in the room, you guys know that sometimes you have to jump into to open ministry positions for a season to help transition or, or whatever. So four years ago, I found myself uh, entering back in a student ministry. So I had been, you know, so focused a good six years on young adults and hyphens. And uh, so to go back to like junior hires and high schoolers was pretty different. So I walked in that first Wednesday night and I had my coffee and, you know, I'm used to walking in and there's the couches and the mood lighting and the smell of coffee. And when I walk in, there's just this noise. It's just so loud like screaming and laughing, and, and I, I realized there's like a pa paper airplane like flying across the room, and, and then over here there's like hot chocolate spilling, and then they're excited because they get to sign their name on the spill record, which is where you get to sign, if you spill anything, you get to sign your name, and it's so cool, and I'm standing there with my coffee, and I'm like, what is this place? Like, this is student ministry. I want the couches and the hyphens where like maybe they'll talk, maybe they won't, and it's cool either way. Like, it's not so loud. So, so I had to, like, transition into this, like, junior high, high school mentality. Well, I spent four years in that, and I will say it, it was a really cool four years, and I love the idea about mentoring the young ones. Here's the deal. You'll spend time with them, and they will minister to you, but it will be in special ways. Um, they will make you laugh. Their drama is so real to them. And, and I love it because I'm like, this is just so cool. Like, they don't even know what's coming. Just wait till you're 23. You're going to hate it. Um, but not really. But then, so then fast forward to 
this past summer, um, where I have transitioned now back to our local young adult ministry. And so I've come out of four years, the junior hires and the high schools, they just brought this side out of me of like crazy, um, that now I'm trying to like taper back down because I'm back with young adults. But we had our first meeting in June and I was meeting with our local young adult group. And I was like, Hey, I'm just letting you guys know, uh, we're going to get started. It's going to be awesome. I'm here for y'all. Just kind of that tag in of like, let's do this together. It's just going to be great. Well, we finished that meeting, and I'm so embarrassed, I can't believe I'm telling this. And so I go to stand by the doorway, and they're kind of still talking a little bit about to exit, you know. And, like, right there is the light switch. Well, I've just come out of, like, junior high and high school ministry. So what do you do with the light switch that's right there? You just start flicking it. And I go, dance party! And all of them are like, like, they all start looking at me like, she has lost her mind. And I was like these are not junior hires. Like, no one's flossing. Why? <laughs> like, like, why are we just standing there? And I heard one of them say, like, I think I just might have got had a seizure. Like, so dramatic. Like, as they're exiting, and I'm like, bye, guys. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll be cool next Wednesday. Like, I don't even know what to say. So, you know, that's, uh, here we are back in young adult ministry. I've chilled out a little bit now. I can still tap into the crazy if needed. Um, so that is kind of my journey, but being back in that, that local level, I love it. And um, I've been reminded even uh, personally that one-on-one -on -one time with hyphens, just how amazing of a generation you are and how powerful you are. So we're going to talk a little bit today about fire. And um, the, the session title, if you will, is called The Thing About Fires. So turn to your neighbor and say, The Thing About Fire. Or The Truth About Fire. I don't even know my title. The truth about fire. Turn to your neighbor and say the truth about fire. I have thing written in my notes. Who knows? Okay, so this is going to make a lot of sense based on what I just said. Point number one, if you're taking notes, I want you to write these two points at the very beginning. Point number one, you can't be in the presence of fire and not be changed. You can't be in the presence of fire and not be changed. Point number two, you can be in the presence of fire and not be changed. You can be in the presence of fire and not be changed. So the hashtag inspo for this session is this little guy right here. One of our young adults bought it for me. I love tumblers. I have them with me at all times. Um, I had two vocal surgeries in my life, and that's another story, but because of that, I have to drink a lot of water uh, to, to keep my vocal cords hydrated, so I am always carrying one of these around. And um, a couple weeks ago, we had a young adult bonfire, and I uh, had left my tumbler. It was one of those fire pits that had, like, the cool edge around it, so I just left this sitting on the edge, and I went to play some cornhole, and when I came back, um, I realized when I picked it up that it was really hot. And then up here on the top, you can barely see it, but it's like it's bubbled out. And because of the fire, this had changed. It had changed what it looked like. It changed what it felt like. It was almost too hot to even touch. All the water inside was warm. Shame on me for leaving it by the fire. But from that, I began to think about being in the presence of fire and how if you're close to the fire, it's going to change you. You're going to have something change if you're close to the fire. So let's go to Exodus 3. We're going to start. I'm going to read a lot of scripture today. I hope that's okay. We're going to jump around 
Uh, but God's going to help us, and we're going to end up somewhere. Now that I know my title, I know where I'm going. Help me, Jesus. Exodus 3, 1 through 14. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up from the land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, and Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, all the sites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent to you when you have brought the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am, has sent me to you. So next to this burning bush, you must take off your shoes because this place is holy ground. The fire changed the atmosphere of a wilderness, a typically dry and thirsty land to holy ground. The truth about fire is that when you are close to it, it will begin to change things. I can't find a scenario where you can get close. Last night, it was so chilly after we ate. We went out, out to the fire pit. And what we were doing, putting our hands because we wanted to feel that warmth. You cannot be close to a fire and not be changed. Let's jump to Hebrews 12, 25 to 29. Hebrews 12, 25 to 29. See that you not, do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on the earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. You can't be in the presence of a consuming fire and not be changed. Now, real, real, let's talk, real fire. In a science article written in May 2019, the author asked, what can fire not affect? 
While 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit is incredibly hot and very dangerous, there are many substances with combustion points higher than that temperature. On average, most house fires will burn between 1,000 and 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit. So there are plenty of things in your house that wouldn't be consumed. Your jewelry, for example, may be made of gold and silver, have melting points of 1,950 degrees and 1,700 degrees respectively, while your diamonds are completely safe, having a melting point of 6,000 degrees. Most precious gemstones are similarly high in terms of their melting point. Steel has a melting point of approximately 2,500 degrees Fahrenheit, so most of your tools and cookware would survive a normal house fire, as would most of the tools in your garage. However, we have only been considering a normal fire, one that is burning primarily carbon-based fuels or objects with low combustion temperatures. It's difficult to create a fire that burns hotter than this, but far from impossible. If you run a current of electricity through a gas, it will plasmize similar to what occurs in the colorful flames above a fire, but the temperature of those gases can rise to a temperature of 36,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Such intense levels of concentrated heat are seen in that plasma arc welding in other related fields. That temperature should be able to melt just about anything, but it won't necessarily cause everything to burn. The question of what things can't burn is somewhat vague as combustion reacts, i.e. burning, are typically classified as reactions involving hydrocarbons and oxygen. Some materials have inherent structural or chemical obstacles to combusting in the presence of oxygen, and other materials have no hydrogen present to burn. That being said, oxygen isn't the only gas that can result in an exothermic reaction. Studies have found, then I sound smart, None of this is me. Studies have found <laughs> that fluorine, nitrogen, and carbon dioxide can all support combustion reactions of less common materials when conditions are correct. Here we go. If you are trying to find something that will never burn, the noble gases are an excellent example. They are satisfied with their present structures and are fully content to be non-reactive particularly in terms of combustion. They may react when stressed in extreme circumstances, but would never actually burn by the standard definition. Let me relate this to you and I. If you are satisfied with your present structure and fully content to be non-reactive, it might take extreme circumstances for you to be affected by fire. But I never want God to have to go to extreme circumstances to get me to feel what I'm supposed to be feeling when exposed to his presence. Amen. In fact, I can confidently say that the path that he took to the cross was extreme enough for me. I think that was extreme enough for me. He purchased you and me. Real fire can do everything, but fake fire can do nothing. Let's go to 1 Kings 18, 20 through 39. Thank you for bearing with me. I know it's a lot of scripture today. So Ahab sent for the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. Elijah came to the people and said, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. 
Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Therefore, let them give us two bulls and let them choose one bull for themselves, cut it in pieces, lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. I'll prepare the other bull, lay it on the wood, put no fire under it. Then you call on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. So all the people said, answered and said, it is well spoken. Now Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one bull for yourselves, prepare it first, for you are many. Call on the name of your God, but put no fire under it. So they took the bull which was given them, prepared it, called on the name of Baal from morning even till noon, saying, 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 help me, Lord. Oh, Baal, hear us. But there was no voice. No one answered. Then they leaped about the altar which they had made. And so it was at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, cry aloud for he is a God. Either he is meditating or he is busy or he's on a journey or perhaps he's sleeping and must be awakened. Do you hear the tone? I kind of like it. So they cried aloud and cut themselves, as was their custom, with knives and lances until the blood gushed out on them. And when midday was past, they prophesied till the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. But there was no voice, no one answered, no one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Well, we could talk about that. He repaired the altar that was broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. Then with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two seas of seed. And he put the wood in order, cut the bull in pieces, and lay it on the wood, and said, Fill four water pots with water, pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. Then he said, do it a second time. They did it a second time. He said, do it a third time. They did it a third time. And water ran all around the altar, and he also filled the trench with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. You can't rely on a fake God to provide you with real fire. The God of self-consumerism consumes nothing but you. The God of self-ambition misguides no one but you. The God of narcissism elevates no one but you. The God of gossip destroys not the people you talk about but you. The God of tearing down those around you does nothing but give you a false sense of elevation that will be sure to crumble. The God of pride only leads to destruction. The God of money burrows in you the root of all evil. Fake gods equal fake fire. But when you call on the God that is an all-consuming fire, the fake is also consumed. I want God to consume every bit of fake that might be in me this morning. If you ask God to reveal the idols in your life, he will, but be ready to deal with them. 
He answered me a few weeks ago about an idol in my life that I have been trying to tear down. Ever since he revealed that to me, I didn't even realize that I had erected it. I had erected it unaware. And then all of a sudden, here I am dealing with this idol that I have to take care of. And I've asked every day, God, help me to eliminate that idol from my life. We've got to ask those questions. But when he answers us, we've got to deal with it. We can't just say, oh, God, just reveal all those things in me. He'll say, okay, here it is. But mm, I don't really want to take care of that today. I'll deal with that later. Fake gods, fake fire. You want real fire, you got to get the real God on the throne of your life this morning. Amen? So you can't be in the presence of fire and not be changed, but you can be in the presence of fire and not be changed. How does this happen? Well, let's go to Daniel 3. Daniel chapter 3. And I'll try to paraphrase, help us get through it. How are we doing on time? Okay. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits with six cubits. He set it up in the province of Babylon. He sent word to gather all the administrators, governors, counselors, treasurers, everyone, officials, to come to this dedication of this idol that he erected. So verse 3, they come before the image that he set up. Nebuchadnezzar stood the image up. And then verse 4, a herald cried aloud, to you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at the time you hear the music begin to play, you fall down and worship this gold image that the king has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. So at that time when the people heard the music, verse 7, they fell down and worshiped this gold image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Verse 8, therefore at that time, a certain of the Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews. They spoke and said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the music should fall down and worship this gold image. And whoever does not fall down and worship is going to be cast into the midst of a fiery furnace. There are certain Jews who you have set over the affairs of the prince of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and these men have not paid regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in a rage and fury, gave the command to bring these before him. So they brought these men before the king, and he spoke and said, Is it true that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Verse 15, Now if you are ready at the time that you hear this music, you fall down and worship the image that I have made. But if you do not worship, you're going to be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is this God that will deliver you from my hands? And they answered and said, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you on this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand. But if not... Let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Talk about taking a stance. Love that. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury. His expression changed. He's upset. He spoke, commanded that the fire be heated seven times hotter than normal. He commanded the certain men of valor to bind these men, cast them into the furnace. And these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, their other garments, or cast in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men fell down, bound in the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Verse 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. He rose in haste and spoke, saying, 
Did we not cast three men into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said, True, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire. They are not hurt, and the fourth is like the Son of God. Verse 26. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning, fiery furnace and spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then they came from the midst of the fire. Verse 7, the administrators, governors, the counselors, all these men, they saw these three men on whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted him and who have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve their, nor worship any god except their own. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces. Their house shall be made an ash heap because there is no God who can deliver like this. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When you're close to the all-consuming fire, you will be absolutely changed. But when you go through the fiery trials of life with the all-consuming fire, you will not even smell like smoke when you come out of the other side of your trial. The God who answers by fire will always alter your current state of existence. This means if I'm close to the all-consuming fire, I will be affected. Fire changes things. It changes how I look. It changes how I feel. It changes things. But when that fire exists inside of me, I can go through things that if I went through them without God, I don't think I'd make it. Or I'd come out wounded. I'd come out scarred. But instead, when I have that fire inside of me, I can go through things and come out on the other side healed and whole and with purpose, knowing that God has a plan for my life even though I go through the fire. Isaiah 43, 1 through 4, this is my life verse right now. It changes much like my favorite song, but this is my favorite verse passage right now. Isaiah 43, 1 through 4. But now thus says the Lord who created you, O G Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Verse 4, since you were precious in my sight, you have been honored and I have loved you. I love the NLT of verse 4. It says, because you are precious to me, you are honored, and I love you. Because you are precious to me, you'll pass through the waters, and I'll be with you. You'll go through the rivers. They're not going to overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, because that all-consuming fire is inside of you. Nor shall the flame scorch you because I'm your God. You're precious to me and I love you. Let's jump to Psalm 104, verse 4. Who makes his angels spirits, his ministers a flame of fire. Since you, his ministers, the other word for ministers there in that passage is servants. Since you, his servant, 
become like a flame of fire, people cannot be around you and not be changed. Do you see the journey that we're taking here? Is this making sense? Hopefully. When we have that all-consuming fire inside of us, it changes us from the inside out. We can go through fiery trials, but they won't change us because we got the real fire happening inside of here. And then we become, verse 4, you become ministers. You're the flame of fire. You become that fire that when you get around others, they can't help but be changed. I referenced this last night. We just had uh, Pastor Stan Gleason with us at our church this last Wednesday, and he was talking about discipleship. He has a great book. I've, I've started it. I think I'm into chapter two uh, called Follow to Lead. I encourage you to, to check that out. But he said something that, that resonated with me. He was talking about ministry, and he said our ministries might change and I've experienced that in my life, as I shared with you. I was in student ministry and then young adult ministry. I'm in worship ministry. I'm in creative. You know, our ministries might change, but our mission always remains the same. Our mission is to go and make disciples. How do we do that? We allow that fire inside of us to be so consuming that people can't even be around us without seeing something different. Why? Because of the choices we make because of what we will and will not do, because of what we do spend our money on, because we do get a job, because we take these 10 attributes and we apply them to our lives, that allows that fire to flow freely in our lives and allows other people to experience who God is through us. What an amazing testimony, right? So our ministries might change. We might navigate those through the years and it might look different this season than it does next season. But our mission to go and make disciples, to be that fire that affects somebody else through the way that we live our life. You think it's not important where you pick to go to lunch? Sometimes we limit God to the big things. God, show me which country you want me to go on a missions trip. And I encourage all of you, go on AYC, go on a missions trip. Even if you're not called to the mission field, it just it kind of helps shift your perspective, and it's a great experience. But a lot of times we'll like, yes, God, tell me which country, tell me which job. Can he tell you where to go to lunch? I'm not saying we have to be like, you know, Jesus, where do I go to lunch? You know, like, but if he did impress upon you and you're on your way to Chick-fil-A and he says, no, not today, bae, over here. Let me tell you why. I was going to Columbus one day. I needed to get out of the office. I needed like a coffee shop cafe office instead of the, the four walls. Ever been there? Like I just got to breathe. I needed some breathing space. And I couldn't decide between two places that were my favorite. And so I finally went with the, um, one that has the blue cheese and pear salad, not because of the lettuce. It's because of the blue cheese and the dressing and the candy pecans, okay? It's nothing to do with the lettuce. It's like a 1,400-calorie salad, so there's that. Um, so I picked the 1,400-calorie salad, and long story short, going to that cafe, there was a waitress there. Her name was Tammy, backslidden Pentecostal, and at that lunch, she, the, this particular cafe, they leave like their business card with the receipt. And I took it and I, the one day I don't have our business cards. So I was so mad. I started writing all of our information on their business card and I gave it back to her and invited her to church. That next Sunday, she drove to our church, came in the parking lot and then drove home. She wanted to see how far it was. So we'll give her one Sunday. The next Sunday, she actually came inside. A few weeks later on Easter Sunday, she was refilled with her Holy Ghost her neighbor has come to church. They've been consistent. They've been faithful, gotten baptized in Jesus' name. She was already baptized, refilled with the Holy Ghost. 
And I'm so thankful that that day that God, I felt like, not just because of the blue cheese and pear salad, because, I mean, there was a good other salad that was up against that one that I was picking between. I felt him kind of nudge me to go eat there, and I didn't know why. It was because of Tammy. So can he, like, nudge us in the, can that fire just kind of like, whoo, all right, I need to, to make this decision right now. Can you stand in line at Starbucks and not be on your phone? Does that feel awkward to you? I've thought about it before. I did a year off of all social media, and I found myself standing in line waiting to order, and I'm like, oh, my word, I feel so weird. That used to be normal, and that allows you to make eye contact with people, not just run into them because you're looking at your phone. You can say, hi, how are you today? It might feel weird, but how are we going to make disciples if we can't make friends? How are we going to help people learn about God if we can't just say hi to them, make eye contact? I got so tired of being so excited about cool things that would happen in my life, and immediately I'm like, how can I tell the world? Or I'm sad. How can I post this in 140 characters? What about taking those joys and giving God praise or taking those sorrows and taking that pain to God? Why do we have to take it to everybody else but the one that can handle it? You know what I'm saying? I got to get off this. I know I'm all over the map today, and I hope it's okay. I hope you're with me. But I, I want to close with two things. I'll leave this open so I stay on track. My family vacations down here every single summer. Literally right down. I walk past this church. When I walk the beach, I walk past this church. I've always wanted to come inside and see what it looks like because it seems cool uh, to have a church with this view. I mean, I can't even, like, deal with it right now. I can't look at it. It's just amazing. So this past summer... We're, uh, we were sitting on the beach. It was kind of evening time. We go out like to read in the evening time. So I'm sitting there. My brother's sitting there. And I noticed all day, uh, this was really cool to me, so I'm sorry if this is normal for those that are close to the beach. But like these small little fish, they were like thousands upon thousands just right on the shoreline. And uh, we had, in all the years that I've been here, I've not experienced that before. So I thought it was kind of cool. Like if your feet are in the water, I mean, there's thousands of fish all around you, these tiny little fish. Well, we're sitting there evening time, and all of a sudden, like, these birds start coming and, you know, scooping them up. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Well, then, like, the next thing we know, these, all these little fish are, like, flinging out of the water. And it literally looks like fireworks. You can hear it. You can see it. I, I can show you the video afterwards. They're, 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 like, reflection on them. They just start flying out of the water. Well, then Preston tells me, he's like, oh, my word, there's bigger fish underneath. So these poor fish didn't stand a chance. I mean, they've got the birds on the top, the big fish. So we're seeing these big fish start, like, jumping out. Well, I'm, of course, you know, being the dramatic person that I am compared to my brother who's not so dramatic. Some of y'all know him, and you'll know what I'm talking about. But I'm like, Preston, come on. This is so cool. I've got my camera out, you know. Well, then the next thing I know, these little fish have gone in such, like, a scurry to try to, you know, live that they are now being, like, washed up, and I'm seeing them, like, flopping on the beach. And I'm like, I, I said, I, I, we got to save them. So you can see in my camera, I'm like, I start, like, and Preston's just standing there, like, you know, he's like, nature of the beast, like, sis, come on. And so I'm, like, fleeing these fish, and it really, like, it was sad to me because as I'm doing this, I look down, and I realize there's thousands of these on the beach, and there's nothing I can do about it. If every single person that was out there that day, if we started, say, there's nothing we could do about it. Well, later that night, I, we had gone back inside, and, and, and I decided to go out and just sit on the beach. And once I sat down, I didn't realize until that moment that around me were all of these little dead fish. And 
honestly, it was <laughs> right down here. I felt God speak to me about the hyphens in my local church that I want to save. I see them like aimlessly flopping. I see that the fire is not activated in their lives. I see that they go through fire and they come out burned and they come out scarred and they come out frustrated and they come out bitter. And I'm like, God, how can I like get this fire going in their lives and how can I save them? And I don't want to be sitting at the end of my tenure here as leader and there's young adults all around me just dead on the shore because there was an answer so close, but I couldn't. And he spoke to me and said, you cannot save them. So let me speak to you from your young adult leader's perspective, from your pastor's perspective. They can't save you. But if you will apply those ten attributes you heard about, every single one of them, if you will apply them to your lives, and if you will get that fire cultivated, get the fake gods out of your life, you'll be able to go through the trials and not come out saying, oh, thank God I made it through that. But you'll come out saying, that was awesome. I learned what I was supposed to learn through that fire. I was changed how I was supposed to be changed through that fire. I didn't leave with scars. I didn't leave with pain. I didn't leave with bitterness. But I came out with the all-consuming fire inside of me knowing that I'm on the right track. I'm on the right track. Gideon, if you want to come to the keyboard. So yesterday, I was out on the same beach. I came in and stood where I normally do with our family vacation time. And I realized going back to my car, I saw the flag that you guys have probably seen. I think I have a picture of it. It says, leave only footprints. And I thought about this session today. I thought about us as we go through life, as we face fiery trials, the Bible says they're going to come. We have to go through them. They have purpose. We grow through our prisons. God is just literally bringing all these sessions together. We grow through our prisons. How? By applying those 10 attributes, by having that fire activated inside of us. But when we heard about leaving things behind for the next generation, we should leave only footprints of how to walk with God. We shouldn't leave our debris, our opinions, our trash. We should leave only footprints of, hey, this is how you walk with God. This is how you walk with that fire inside of you that's burning, where it can burn out all the imperfections, it can burn out all the fears, it can burn out every single thing that has kept you tripped up, and also you can go through. Hey, uh, Michaela, Michaela, however you say it, that's following me, this is how you go through a fire, and you come out on the other side, and you don't even smell like smoke. How do you do that? You have the all-consuming, the truth about fire is if you have that all-consuming fire inside of you, you can go through it, and then you can tell somebody else how to do it. You can say, hey, follow me as I follow Christ because he thought me worth it to allow that fire to be living inside of me. He endured the cross so I might be saved. So let's stand as we close out this session. We're going to close with a simple song that is a prayer that I want you to sing as a prayer to close this out. I want you to apply it to your life however you feel. If there's something specific from hearing about those 10 attributes, something about the fire, maybe there's an idol that God revealed to you in this session that needs to be torn down. This is the moment to do that. Can we lift our hands all over this place? Hallelujah, Jesus. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more. Sing it out to him right now, Jesus. Set up.
Now just begin to tell him in your own words, Jesus, we need that fire today, God. Lord, consume every imperfection inside of me, God, every fear, every doubt, God, every root of bitterness, Lord. Let the all-consuming fire that you are, the real fire, begin to destroy anything in my life, anything in my heart, anything in my mind that is not like you, God. I pray for someone here today that is going through a fiery trial that maybe no one knows about. God, that they would grow in that prison, Lord, that they would come out of that fire on the other side and there'd be no evidence of pain, nothing that was destroyed, God, but only growth, only purpose, only conviction, God, only the plan that you have for that fire, God. There's purpose in everything that we face. And God, you said that your servants would be like a flame of fire. I pray that this generation of hyphens, everywhere that they go, that the fire that consumes them would begin to change the atmosphere on their job, change the atmosphere of the coffee shop they walk into, change the atmosphere of the place that they have lunch. God, that someone would be affected by the fire that lives inside of us. God, we don't want to get to the end of our life and say, well, I made it and there's nobody with us. But God, there's got to be someone with us, Lord, that makes it to the other side because of you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, this last weekend, we had a student conference at our church, a student and young adult conference, and the Saturday session, and then leading into the session with, with Brother Gleason Wednesday night, it really caused me to take inventory. Actually, I'll show you if I can find it. It should be somewhere here in my Bible. I used the Delta napkin, and I felt God speak to me to list out all my accomplishments since I graduated high school. I'm a total nerd. I went to college for 10 years. I love it. I love to write. I, like My thesis was 167 pages. It was awesome. I'd do it again. Total nerd alert. Sorry. To list the countries that I've traveled to, and I listed those inside the napkin. And then on the other column, he spoke to me to list the people that I'm responsible for having discipled to Christ. I'm embarrassed to say that the personal accomplishment list is pretty long compared. But it reminded me why I exist. Yes, go for education. Yes, I would still be in school if mom said, can you please just go shopping for once in your life? Quit going to school, go to Target. I said, okay, mom, I will. I've already thought about going back again, but we'll see what God has in store. Go after accomplishments, yes, but go after souls. We're all called to make disciples, and how we do that is through the fire of God that burns so bright in our lives. And make a list in your own life. Who have you discipled to Christ? Who have you discipled to get them? And, and Brother Gleason said, how you know you've made a true disciple is when they start discipling someone else. And I was like, oh my word. Yeah, I've met for Bible study, but have I made a disciple? Have I been consistent? Have I stayed present in that person's life to help them get, as the Bible says, from the milk to the meat, and then they can teach somebody else how to do that? I've been convicted this week. I pray that encourages you. Make a, find a napkin, make a list. Who have you discipled? And maybe that list is short. Put on there maybe who God is calling you to disciple and you've just been afraid to do it because you don't have all the answers. When you have the fire, you don't need all the answers. 
God will direct you in that moment. Or you can say, you know what, I'll research that out. We'll come back next week and we'll talk about it. It's that simple. Go and make disciples. Leave only footprints. Have the fire. I've talked about six different things today. And then you've heard 10 from Brother Johnson. You're loaded up. So go after it in Jesus' name. Amen? Turn to someone and say, hey, fire's burning. Turn to them and say, the truth about fire. It's all-consuming. It's life-changing. It's destiny-altering. It's life-rearranging. Amen. Have you enjoyed High Friend Retreat so far? Put your hands together and thank God for what he's done. minute break and um, we are going to start our next order of service at 11.05 so you have to have about 15 minutes.